from receiving what I'm going to give you tonight. Amen? It's got to be more about more or more than just singing a song. It's got to be more than just sharing a testimony. It's got to be the presence of God. And so we ask him tonight to stand to our feet and ask him to clear our minds and our hearts and bind every evil force that would try to hinder us from receiving the word of Almighty God in their hearts. I pray, God, that each one sitting here tonight would receive this teaching in their mind and their hearts and establish it upon their going and their coming. I rebuke Satan for what he's trying to do, trying to prevent us from receiving, trying to prevent us from moving on, going an extra mile for the Lord, trying to prevent us from even going to heaven. I rebuke every lying spirit, every spirit of fear in this building tonight. I rebuke every demonic force sitting on the shoulders of each saint in this place, speaking to their minds even, trying to confuse them, trying to hinder them. I rebuke them in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord. And I know there's something that the devil hates more than anything. He hates the blood of Jesus. Brother John, I sing that song, the blood of Jesus. And I mean while you're singing it here tonight, it ain't just words or we're leading you to some spiritual hymn. But I want you to plead the blood of Jesus on your own hearts and your own minds and your own circumstance and your own situation because the devil is about this place. And he wants to hinder you and kill you and do all these kind of things to you. So you need to plead the blood of Jesus Christ over your mind. This is where it takes place. Now make some noise for the Lord as you clap offering to him. Thank you, Lord. We praise your mighty name tonight. We praise your holy name tonight, Lord Jesus. We lift up your mighty name tonight, Lord Jesus. We bind and rebuke every power of Satan by the blood of Jesus Christ tonight. We praise the name that is above every name tonight. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God tonight. Hallelujah. The devil don't have no business coming in here hindering us, getting us all religious and looking around and fearful and dead and dried up. The devil ain't got no business doing that to the child of God. You got to do something about it sometimes. Amen. Praise God. I can't teach if there's a hindrance sitting there. You're never going to receive your mind on something else. Somewhere else. Get your mind fixed on things above. You're only here for one purpose. This is our time with God and his word. Now ask God for a word today. The Bible tells us, you know, Wednesday nights, I like to, you know, I could bring this out on Sunday or something, but Wednesday nights is when the disciples show up. Huh? Disciples show up. The disciples somebody who wants to learn, so they go to Bible studies. That's, good. That's beyond Sunday's church, see? So they want to go to Bible study because you want to learn more. 
And that's what a disciple is. It's somebody that sits at the master's feet. It's his Jesus. And he takes and learns from the master. And then he takes what the master has taught him and turns around and helps spread that good news. And the Lord Jesus Christ commands his fivefold ministry. And he told him in Matthew 28 and 18, he says, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, beginning by baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them. This is what you got to get a hold of tonight. This is our true purpose. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. The great commission is not only to preach the gospel, but is to teach all nations to make disciples of you. That's the pastor's job. That's the, the prophet's job. That's the fivefold ministry's job to equip the saints to make disciples out of you. And a disciple is somebody who knows who they are after a while, and they start doing the same things that the, that the master did. And when they came to Antioch, they looked at them and they said, Christians. Why did they call them Christians? When they first called them Christians in Antioch, why did they point their finger and say, Christians? Because they were Christ-like. They were just like Christ. They were doing the same things he was doing when he was walking around. They were laying hands on people and they was preaching the gospel and, and, and people were getting healed and, and saved and set free. Christians. They made disciples out of them. And after the Lord went, they carried, this, they carried the word of God into all the world. Known world at that time. And the Great Commission has never, ever changed. We have the same purpose here tonight. And a disciple is somebody that does the word of God. Anybody can sit in church and hear it. You can play tapes, you can turn on TBN, you can watch all the Morcerillo tapes and all the things in the world, and you can have all kinds of head knowledge, but if you don't do nothing with it, then it's useless. A disciple is someone who takes what he learns and applies it to his life. He's never the same again. Teach him to observe all things, he says. I told my pastor when I first got said, well, what are we? I know they're assembly over here and they're a Baptist. Or, what are we? Because we just sit in a house and the Holy Ghost is all over us and gifts and signs and wonders, multiply food and all kinds of things. How about, what are we? We're just full gospel. Are we Pentecostal? No, we're full gospel. Full gospel. Why, 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 why are we full gospel? I mean, explain. Because we believe it from cover to cover. And we don't pick it apart. We believe what it says, and we do it. 
Because the Bible says, teach them to observe all things. And so tonight, you need to get a hold of this message. This little message I'm going to preach tonight, teach you a little bit about, is the foundation of everybody who ever got saved. This is the foundation of your walk. If you don't understand this right here, then you'll never make it as a Christian. And some of you have heard this before, but I, I don't know if it bounced off your head or what happened to it. Maybe it's up in the attic up there. But this is talking about, and I want to teach you about, the will of God. The will of God. And I titled this this, this morning when I was looking at it, and I said, Free will no more. Free will no more. And to give you understanding, some of you might have heard this before. Some of you haven't. I know you haven't. Is that when anybody who was ever born or created, I'll say, anybody who God ever created, he put within him a free will. Huh? We know that. He created the angels in heaven. He did not force them to serve him. The God that we serve and the God that created all things loves us. And his creation, he expected him to love him back. And the Bible even says about us that he, he loved us while we were yet sinners. Huh? He died for us. Always just sinners. So in, 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 in heaven, he created Lucifer and all the angels and everything. And he put within him a free will. And Lucifer got full of pride. Started looking at God and seeing all that. They were worshiping him. And he started looking at himself and say, hey, I'm, 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 I'm pretty. Huh? This is still in the world today. Watch out. I'm pretty. I sound good. I can preach better than that person over there. I can sing better than that one. I can. I'm pretty. And pride entered his heart. And he even went over there and started convincing these other angels. He's, I can do what God does. I'm just, I'm, look at me. I'm beautiful, perfect in all my ways. And he was a song leader. He led all the host of angels in heaven and worship to God. Until that day, pride entered his heart. We know the whole story. And God threw him out of heaven. Because he had his own will, he chose to rise up against God. He made the choice. Huh? God didn't force him to say, get down there and bow down there and worship me. And you're going to sing whether you like it or not. No. He put within him his own free will. So when thousands of years passed by, the Garden of Eden was created. God created man and woman. 
loved his creation, looked at them, saw that it was good. He put within Adam and Eve their own free will. Amen? Just say amen if you're following along here. He put within him their own free will. He says, this is what you have here, and all this in here. There was no sin, sickness, or death in the Garden of Eden. He meant them to live forever and never be sick or have any kind of sin in their life. And he said, as long as you do this, you'll have all this, and this is, you'll have fellowship with me, and I'll come and visit you in the cool of the day. And he did. He talked to Adam often. He even brought the animals to Adam and said, what do you want to call it? And Adam would name all the animals. He had a wonderful fellowship with him, but within him he had a free will. So the devil was already cast down when the Garden of Eden was created. The devil was already there, and he came as a serpent. Remember the story? And he started to, and you can read this in the third chapter of Genesis, and he come to, he come to Ad, Adam and Eve, and he told Eve, you shall not surely die if you eat that fruit. Because in the mist, he told him, don't eat this fruit. The day that you eat this fruit, you're going to die. You can have all this other food here, but don't eat from the tree that is in the midst of the garden right here. If you eat of it, you're going to die, and your eyes are going to become open, and all these other things. And so the devil came by, and he started to speak against the will, the free will that God gave to Adam and Eve. He starts speaking to her and saying, you're not going to die. No, God said, the day that I eat, is go- no, you're not going to die. God knows if you eat that, you'll be like him. He wanted to be like you, remember? If you're going to be like anybody, why not be like the best? He knows if you eat that, you become like him, full of wisdom and truth and all this kind of stuff. Besides, look at the tree, how beautiful it is to look upon. And the woman saw and she listened, and longer she listened to that lie. Coming against and going against the will of God, she knew. God said, But still, she listened long enough, and it started to sound, well, you know, look around. Well, maybe, well, yeah, you're, you know, it is, does look good. You know, you can just see the lion, devil in the picture. And because she had a free will and God loved her so much, he never made them stay in the garden. She freely took of her own will, and she ate of the fruit, and she gave to her husband. And the blame game began there, too. Where art thou, Adam? What are you hiding from me for? Who told you you was naked? Ah, the woman that you gave me, she made me eat this. The woman said, ha, ha. That serpent did that. And fingers have been going ever since. It's always somebody's fault. But you. Well, I better just keep preaching a little bit. 
Adam and Eve was given a free will. Thousands of years went by. Because of their own will, because of their own decision that they made, they were cast out of the garden. Sin came into the world. Sin, sickness, and death came in. And Jesus Christ came. And we know why he came. He came to take the keys of Satan that he stole from Adam and Eve and to give them back to the church. Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom. And the keys of the kingdom was Jesus Christ went down that, that, that day. He went down in the heart of the earth. And three days later, he came up victorious. And he didn't take the keys back to heaven. He gave them to the church. But before that, in the garden, when he was praying, Jesus had to do something. Jesus had to face all the temptations of the world the devil could put upon him. The devil tried to get Jesus to change his will, his mind. Don't do what the Father called you to do. You don't have to do that. Cast yourself off this mountain. It is written. Angels are given charge over you. Try to get him to do things that weren't pleasing to the Father. Jesus wrestled because he was a man as we are. He came down and put on the armor of flesh so that he can be an example to us, so that he could be an overcomer, so that he could show us that it could be done. He never called on his deity, his power, his angels or nothing. He faced the devil with the truth and with a made-up mind. Your mind is your will. When Jesus was in the garden, he said, if it be possible, Father, in Luke twenty-two forty-one, if you want to read it, he was in the garden and he was praying. In 2241, he says, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed. Jesus was praying because he knew the next day he was going to face the cross of Calvary. He knew that he had one purpose to come into this world for. He knew that he had to fulfill the will of the Father. He knew that he was struggling in his flesh, and his flesh didn't want to go to the cross. His flesh didn't want to live. His flesh didn't want to go. And his humanity cried out. He said, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, he says, not my will, but thine be done. What Adam and Eve couldn't do or didn't do, Jesus fulfilled it. He had to surrender his will. He had to put down his flesh and his agony and everything that he was facing and have a made-up mind. And Isaiah said that Jesus set his face like a flint. And he went towards Jerusalem. And even Peter told him, don't go there. They're going to kill you. And he said, for this purpose, the Son of Man has come. 
Get behind me, Satan, he told Peter. You savor not the things of, that are of God. Sounded good. Don't go to Jerusalem. But it was Satan speaking through Peter even, his own friend, his own disciple. Not my will, but thy will be done, he said. And Jesus Christ surrendered his will to the Father. Adam and Eve had a free will. The angels had a free will. They all had free wills. Jesus surrendered his will, put his will and what he wanted under subjection to the Father. I do always those things that please the Father, he said. He knew for what purpose he came. He came to fulfill that. Nobody took his life. The Jews didn't kill him. The Romans didn't kill him. Nobody took his life. He gave it freely. John 8, 20, 28. John 20, 28. Anyway, no one took his life. He gave it freely. He surrendered his will. Two thousand years later comes to you and I. This is what Christians got to get. This is what you need to get in your heart and mind tonight. We hear testimonies of I gave my heart and life to Jesus in 1980 this and 1980 that and yesterday or whenever it was, 40 years ago, I gave my heart and my life to Jesus Christ. I gave my heart in my life to Jesus Christ. You see, all our life we did our own thing. We did our own will. We did what we wanted, right? Nobody's going to tell me what to do. 18 years old, the kind of devil puts that in their mind. 21 years old, you really don't tell them what to do now. And all of us did our own will, our own way, our own thing, our own belief, did what we want. Nobody could make you go to church no more. Nobody could do this no more. Mom couldn't tell you what to do no more. You walked in this world with your own will. And how many know we made a mess, most of us? That will of mine got me in mighty good trouble. So one day I came to the Lord. Somebody told me about him, preached the gospel to me. I did my own thing my whole life. The day that I accepted Jesus Christ in my heart and life when I said, 
I gave up. It was just, it was more to me than just go to church. Because we didn't have a church. <laughs> I was coming to the Lord just as I am. I meant it when I said, I give you my life, Lord God. I give you my heart, my life, everything I have and possess and who I am and whatever I am, it belongs to you. I surrendered my will. When you come to Jesus Christ, you're supposed to surrender your will. And you no longer have a free will. Huh? Christians who fail, they fall back into doing their own will. They fall off the straight and narrow way because they start doing their thing again. Their thing messed them all up, but they forgot about it. Adam's thing would have plunged the whole world into, into death and destruction and everything else. Jesus' thing put us back on a straight and narrow. Back into fellowship. Reconciled us back to God. And the day you got saved, you were happy and glad and all them kind of things. And the devil comes by to test your will. Your will, disciple, your will is going to be tested many times along the way. Jesus' will was tested many times along the way to Jerusalem. He was tempted in all like manner, everything you could ever think of being tempted in. Jesus had already been tempted in it. Many things, many times. The devil tried to get him to change his will. Even the night before, he went to the cross. You're born again, huh? What if I put this on you? I put that on you. What if I make this happen in your life? Did you, did, did, did you really give your heart and life to the Lord? Your will is going to be tested many times. Oh, you won't die. Just, you don't have to get too excited. You don't need to go to Bible studies. You don't need to fellowship. You don't get in, you know, you don't need to be teachable. You know, believe what you want. Take, take the one woman who's telling me, I, I, take, I take the meat and throw away the bone. That just means she takes what is pleasant to her and she won't eat the bone. I said, eat the whole cow. Chew that bone, that one that hurts, swallowing it. I swallowed it anyhow. That teaching that too. I couldn't, oh, it was bothering me. I wanted to run out of church. I wanted to cuss Kenny up. I wanted to throw rocks through his house window. I wanted all them kind of, ooh, but I just I swallowed it anyhow. Your will is going to be tested over and over. It isn't always God's will that you're, you're here all the time. Huh? Sometimes God's got to allow things that come on your life. Because of the weak things of the world, through those things, he's made strong. He perfects you through the trials. Can you imagine if we're all up here all the time? 
never had any experiences, never had any cancer, never had any, any sicknesses. You never had an argument with your wife. You never had any, any broken relationships with your families. You never, you never fought with your kids. You never, how on earth could you ever witness to somebody else and tell them how to get through it or raise their kids? I want you parents to know something tonight. I don't know how many kids you got. If you got two kids, there's four eyes watching you. They want to see how you're doing it. <laughs> Them little eyes are just fixed on mom and daddy, not Jesus. They don't know nothing about Jesus. They're watching mama and daddy. And whatever mom and daddy do, they're going to do. Raise up a child in the way that you have them go when they're old. What way are you raising them up? You think about that, four little eyes are on you. Six eyes are on you. We did our thing. Now we must do his thing as disciples. Hit it on the head tonight. Jesus got some good stuff ahead for us. The devil's testing us. Trying to put this and trying to put that. Trying to get you to question your experience even. And how does he do that through your little feelings? I don't feel like it. I remember when we really used to have fun. I remember when, oh, gee whiz, didn't you? We really used to do this. And he just does that through your little feelings. What about your commitment? Take yourself back. I give you my heart and my life, Lord. Read about the disciples in the Bible. Did you know that all them disciples, all them apostles, all were martyred? Boiled in oil and, and whipped and beaten and thrown into prison and all that kind of stuff. They died for the cause of Christ. God took them through places where their flesh didn't want to go. But he always brought them back to that time when they got saved. And I bet you Paul could point right at that place on the Damascus Road. It was right there when I got slain. Right there. I, ooh, I'll never forget that. And he took me to Simon the Tanner's house, and the Holy Ghost came down, laid his hand on and just filled me with the Holy Ghost. I'll never forget that. He'll take you back to your commitment and your experience, wherever it was. And that's what he does to me continuously. I tell people all the time, did you give your heart and life to the Lord? Yes. When? Huh? Nine, this, 10 years ago, whatever. I, well, when, when did you take it back? I see you're doing your own thing again. Huh? Where's the will of God applied? Where's it working in your life again, anymore? Huh? Kind of saved now? Hmm? Don't need much anymore? Geez, you remember when we didn't have nothing, we was how happy we was? Sometimes all them cars and them jobs and them blessings can be a hindrance to Christians because they get fat and sassy and they don't need to go to Bible study no more. And they don't, oh, that's for the young ones. Huh? Men's Bible study, same thing. We don't need that no more. We already know that stuff. We don't Wednesday night comes. I ain't going to go Wednesday. You go. I'll go Sunday. You could stay home. 
All that stuff's creeping in. Thou shalt not surely die. You remember that voice? It's still out there today. The same lie and devil is trying to get you to go against the will of God. And so the Lord says, go and teach all nations. Teaching them to observe all things that I have written. And this teaching tonight is the foundation of every Christian. If you really never surrendered your will to God, devil knows it. I know it. Your husband knows it. Your wife knows it. Your kids, them little eyes, know it. Because mom and dad act this way in church, and then when they get home, it's another thing. <laughs> huh? They praise at church, and they cuss at home. <laughs> well, that's sad. Them little eyes are watching you. And you have a great responsibility, not just for them little eyes, but for all the rest of the town that's watching you. For them that are in your families are watching you. And, you know, it's so sad sometimes because somebody don't want nothing to do with that people because of what they do. I don't want to be one of them. I'm already doing that stuff. Huh? It's all right to say, hey, man, I mean, if I, you know, if, you, if this bone is too, too big to swallow tonight, I'll give you a little while to chew on it. But this is serious business. You better renew your commitment every day. Examine yourself all along the way. Don't bank on that blessing you got down there in some tent meeting or over here at Morse River, over here. You're thinking back when you, I got slain at one time, and boy, you can't live on yesterday's blessings. How is it with you this very night in Wolf Point? On the south side down here. The work that God begun, the Holy Spirit of God is in the house. How is it with you tonight? Is your commitment and your relationship, are you still in love with Jesus or is it just, I remember when I used to be, kind of like some of your marriages. I remember when I used to be. That won't last. You got to make new commitments, new vows. Every once in a while, Sandy's got to look at me and say, I don't know if I want to be with this old fellow anymore. You got to make a decision about every day of your life. The devil is never going to give up. He's going to come and test your will. How is he today? You know, he never gives up. Did you notice that? Never gives up. Come and check you out. As long as you have breath and you're still alive, he's got a chance to get you to backslide. He's got a chance to kill you. He goes about seeking whom he may devour. He come to kill and to steal and to destroy. And he'll never give up on you. But I got news for the devil. Jesus never gave up on us either. But it's up to us to apply the precious word of God to our life. Eve says, no, I can't do that. God said. And Christians know 
Huh? Christians know God said, but they still go against it. And they want all the blessings. And they wonder why they're all messed up. I change not, Jesus Christ. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he told Adam and Eve, and what he told Jesus, and what he told the disciples, he tells all of us. Read John 4, 31. This is for all of us. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. They invited Jesus to eat. Have something to eat, he said. And he said unto them, I have meat to, to eat that you know not of. You know what that really means right there? If you're really involved with God and if you're really sincere, a disciple of God, your meat is to do something for the Lord. Because you, you get blessed back. You, if you ever lead somebody to the Lord, you want to lead somebody else to the Lord. You want to do it more. If you ever lay hands and somebody gets healed, that's your meat. That's your meat. Me, I got to preach. I got to go someplace. I got to do something. I got I, I to gotta teach. I got to do. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. That's what Jesus said. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. This is what I tell you tonight. Say not ye there are yet four months. That's the devil's lie to people. Oh, we got time. Oh, they've been saying he's coming for a long time. And he speaks to your minds all the time. That's why you get slothful and you really don't care no more. And you're just there. You don't believe Jesus is coming. Other you'd be standing on your head tonight. Don't say there are four months yet to come. Then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Did you know that we didn't even have to go sow? That means that the field is already there. There's enough sinners for every one of us to harvest. The whole world was lost. There's none righteous. No, not one, Jesus Christ said. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. The harvest is full. Look around you. You got nothing to do? You got nobody to talk to? The fields are white. The harvest is already there. The devil is putting you to sleep. And you sit on your testimonies. And you sit on your witness. And you sit on everything that the God has given us. The devil's trying to steal it from us and make us be complacent and cold and no anointing. That's our fault. Where's your will tonight? Get your will back in order. Get your commitment back to Jesus. If you're really submitted and committed to Jesus Christ, if every one of you was, that's how you get fired up churches. 
It ain't the pastor that gives you all that stuff, teaches you that stuff. But if all of you would take this message home tonight, the foundation, before you can even be a, a Christian, before you can even go to heaven, you have to surrender your will. Quit trying to do it your way and come back to the God's way. Can I have a testimony? You can't get any move. Pin drop in here now. What happened to that? Geez, that bugs me. Where's that victory? Where's that shout? Where's that? I got saved. Praise God. I'm still here. Hmm. My meat should be your food. This is what feeds a Christian. This is what makes you glad. This is, this, is, this is what you should be hungering for. Not the things of the world. Those are temporal things out there. They only last a little while. Your brand new car will be rusted in a couple of years. You'll be trying to trade. You'll never get happiness through material or money or any kind of thing like that. The true peace of God comes when you're walking with him in the cool of the day. When you can talk to him at night. And when you're facing problems and circumstances and hurts and, and sicknesses in your life, you can go to him in prayer and he gives you peace. I know what I'm talking about. Lift up your eyes and look onto the fields, for they are white already to harvest. This isn't about you. The devil's blowing your circumstances so up you can't see nobody else's problems. It's all about me and my little feelers. It's all about my hurts. It's not about you. You take care of the Lord's business, he'll take care of your little problems. I got a problem. I didn't want to tell you about But I keep preaching this message because I know the Lord's going to take care of my problem. I'm looking for it. I'm trusting in him. The only thing I had to do is examine myself. Search out any area of my life that I need to repent of. I don't want to let the devil in any way here. As long as my will is surrendered to God, I ain't got to worry about much. I want that same fellowship I had at the beginning. When none of you is here even. The Holy Ghost. Anointing. Believe in God and the simplicity of his word like a little child. We just believe God. We just did it. It works. Oh, we got excited about it. Somebody got saved. Oh, my God. We're so happy about that. Oh, somebody got saved. Praise God. Who did you? Did you bring some? Look at who I brought to church tonight. Oh, you ain't going to believe this. Oh, God. Oh, touch him, touch him, touch him. And we just preach born again and touch him and tell him how to get saved and over and over. And the older ones, geez, all they talk about is born again down there. You got to try it yourself one of these days. If you ever get born again, you'll need somebody else. You, you got to have some of this. <laughs> You gotta have you gotta have this, Grandma. This is real. Where's your wills at tonight? 
Because look at the promise there in 36. Fields are already white. And he that reapeth receiveth wages. Payday, I always call that myself. He that reapeth receiveth wages. Reapeth? Hmm. That means work. You've got to go into the field and work. You've got to go into the field and witness and testify and bring somebody to Jesus Christ. Compel them. You know what the word compel means? Drag them. Persuade them. Do anything you can to get them to church. Where's that heart at anymore? You got you here, barely. <laughs> you got to get above that and try to get somebody else here. He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. And Jesus says, store up your fruit in heaven. Amen. Nobody can break in and steal. The Lord knows all about it, places you witness and everything. When you have that idea and that truth in your heart that every time you talk to somebody about the Lord, every good deed that you do, everything that you do is being recorded. How many know God can record all things? Sees all things everywhere present. He knows everything about you. Everything you ever done is going to be up there. Next week, I'm, maybe I'm going to teach. I was going to teach this week, but the Lord changed my mind. There's judgment seat of Christ. And there's judgment seat for sinners. There's a white throne judgment. You get your teeth sharpened up for that one. And he gathereth fruit unto life eternal, and both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. Hmm. But if your mind ain't on right, if your mind isn't fixed, on the will of God, if you don't have a surrendered will, a surrendered mind, you'll fall by the wayside. You'll give up. You'll become frustrated. The Lord cannot work with somebody who doesn't have a willing mind to serve him. He won't force you. He won't drag you. He won't make you. But if you have a surrendered, Lord, not my will, but your will, in all your ways acknowledge him, Proverbs says, and I will direct your pathway. If you walk with the fear of God and, and, and say, what is my situation, Lord, and I pray that you would help me to, to uh, show me a way of escape for this circumstance, that circumstance, apply the word of God to your life in sincerity and truth and act upon God's word, He'll be with you every step of the way. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll keep you all the days of your life and into eternal life. Because he never planned, like Brother Shrillo said, he never planned any defeats for nobody. They took it upon themselves. 
When you take your will back and start doing your thing, you're in trouble. Adios, we won't see you around too much longer. You'll be hurt. You'll end up in a ditch someplace. You'll end up hurt. You'll end up, you just can't do your own. You, without him, you can't do nothing. So this is the foundational teaching that every Christian's got to know. You must surrender your will unto the Lord. And every time the devil tries to put something that will direct you away from God's word or another way or another, some other gospel, some other thing, or drag you away from where God called you and put you and placed you, and say, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. You'll be tested many times in your Christian walk. And if you start losing it, stop again. having a course adjustment and get back on a straight and narrow. And the Lord says, if you have sinned, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He gave provision for us to get back up again. But just remember your commitment and your will. If your meat is to do the will to live this life, to be a Christian. The Lord knows if you're surrendered or not. Give me a little squeaky amen, Mike, or something. All right, there it is. There it is. That amen means so be it. And so be it. And I don't teach us for any one person. It's for every person who ever lived, if it was for Jesus, if Jesus had to surrender his will, not my will, Peter, John, look at Peter tried to go back, tried to go back to the world, I'm going fishing, got tired, and he, Peter, you love me more than these? Little stink fish he must have had on his, Peter, you love me more than these fish? Well, yeah, well, feed my lambs, he said. You love me more than these, Peter? Well, yeah, yeah, you know I do, you know. Well, feed my sheep. This is what I called you for. Three times he asked Peter that. Because he just went a little ways away, and already he went back to what he used to do. Fish. Some of his disciples, I'll go with you. Huh? Yeah, You got tested. Everybody will get tested. And sometimes when you're down in some place like that, you don't feel good. Tell God, I don't know what I'm doing here. But if you could use me in this circumstance, use me. Huh? When there's things you can't do nothing about, then say, Lord, use us. Some Disaster, have some, something terrible happens. Uh, look at they got thrown in jail. They sing psalms and they praise God in, in the jail. Huh? And the earthquake came and the door opened up. They could have went out, but they said, no, we don't want to go out. We stayed there and they witnessed to the jailer. The jailer got saved. God will use your circumstance if you put him in it. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Don't cry. Don't say, get me out of this. Maybe he wants you in it. Maybe he wants to use that for your glory.
Even sicknesses God can use for his glory. There's a sickness unto death, and there's a sickness where God uses it. Yeah. If it's unto death, then he just wants to take you home. So what's wrong with that? God don't give me $3 million. He's going to, he said he's going to take me home. Well, I didn't. Was that punishment, take you home to prison? I mean, uh, take you home to, to heaven? That's not punishment. That's what I'm trying to get. I don't know about you. But if it's not a sickness unto death, then, the, then by his stripes you are healed. Church needs to start praying more. Praying one for another. Believe in God for things in this altar again. Start moving. Instead of accepting every lie that comes along. Get back to doing the things in the simplicity that God intended them to be in. And he'll start moving again in your life. You can have all the things of the world and still have voidness. See, all these rich kids, they run away from their parents in, the, in Hollywood and all over like that. I remember Patty Hearst, biggest publishing company in San Francisco, billionaire dad and all that stuff. She ran away and joined the Liberation Army. She just wanted to be rebellious and bad. She had everything she could even want. But it wasn't happiness. Hello? <laughs> Put that on your tape. Anyway, this is just a teaching. But I'm serious. And God loves you. And, and, and Don't forget you gave your heart and life to Jesus. Don't let the devil take it back. Amen. Make new commitment. Today is the day of salvation. Not yesterday. Today. Can't live on my 79 experience. I got to find out what's going on with me today. I got to make sure I'm in his will today. And that's what it's about. Always did believe in the power of prayer. Still do. Always will. Pray for people. Get prayed for. Goes both ways. And that's what we need to do tonight. If anybody's sick tonight, call the elders of the church. Anoint him with his oil. You know that sounds kind of silly. But it's the foolish things of the world confounds all these. But how could that work? How could that work? Just lay, hand, just lay hands. How do you get saved? Just come and receive the gift of salvation. It's a gift to you. Jesus already paid for it. And it's very serious. Some of you need to make your recommitment in your life. Resurrender your will to God. He can't move in your life without that. You have to ask him, give him permission to intervene in your behalf. He won't force himself into your heart, your life, your family, your jobs. He won't force himself in there. But if you acknowledge him and say, Lord God, I need you in my life. And I love you and I surrender my life. I give you my heart and my life. Whatever is left of it, Lord, I give it to you. My life is in your hands.
I was remembering my friend Bob Lindsay. I told God, you can even have my life. I don't understand, but he wasn't very not even a year he was gone already. Just starting out this ministry. Love God all his heart. That's what the Bible says, that's what it says. He would stand on the word of God. I don't understand God's will, his ways, and the whys and the ifs and the buts, and why this happens and that happens. But I trust him. I trust him. I think he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I think he does. I think he's got a plan. It's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I think God's got a plan. He's got it all figured out. I just want to be a part of it. Wherever I fit in, every little grain of sand, that's all I am in God's eternity, is a grain of sand, one of his little disciples that he saved one day. Wherever I fit in, whatever I can do for him, I want to do. I think it would be worth it all living in heaven for eternity, life eternal. Hmm. And he that reapeth receiveth.